Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pastillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. We always ask that you download the app, Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app, and please, wherever you see Joe and I on social media, uh, help us out, like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. Um, And today, we are very pleased and honored to be joined by Father Richard Cipolla, and we're going to be talking, Joe. When you talk about going into the breach, man, uh, you you want to you want to get in there and and get your hands dirty a little bit. Talk about Vatican II, but you know, just have a conversation about it, okay? Um, and you're probably somewhere in the breach. And today with Father Cipolla, we're going to be talking about the spirit of Vatican II and what that means, because we've all heard that phrase probably a million times. And I'm going to be honest with you, and I think I could speak for Joe. I'm a little unclear. Um, I'm unclear about a lot of things that are going on. And so we're very grateful that Father is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. A quick bio on Father Richard Gennaro Cipolla, who is a priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport and a vicar at St. Mary's Church in Norwalk, Connecticut. His academic degrees include a PhD in chemistry and a doctorate of a doctor of philosophy uh, in theology from Oxford University. He is chair emeritus of the classics department of Brunswick School in Greenwich, Connecticut where he still teaches an advanced course in Virgil, Dante, and St. Augustine. His main interests are liturgy, the thought of blessed John Henry Newman, and all things Italian, which, of course, Joe and I love. And he is the co-organizer of Sacra Liturgia USA 2015. Father Richard Gennaro Cipolla, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Thank you so very much. And... and, uh... It is a pleasure to, to be here. It's an honor to be here. And because this happens to be the feast day of St. Michael the Archangel, I think it'd be a good idea to, to begin this uh, with the prayer to St. Michael, okay? Please, Father. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wicked and sins of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do the old prince of the heavenly host by the divine power of God cast into hell Satan and all other evil spirits who who prowl this world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Amen. Father, with a middle name like Gennaro, I have to assume your family's from Naples. Is that true? Um they are from uh they, they're from four of the hill towns, which are between Naples and uh, Caserta. Yeah, oh, my okay. family's from that way, too. Most of the Italians that are in the New yeah. York, Boston area are from there. Yeah, well, because that's where all the poor ones were. 
That's right. That's right. No one, no one came here from Florence. No, the Piedmont yeah, they, they, did they, not come they to worried, New York or New Jersey. They, they weren't escaping Milan when they decided no, to. Right. My, 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 my uncle Joe went from uh, Castelnovo di Conza in uh, Provincia di Salerno and went to Belgium oh, yeah. because there was no work in Italy. Yeah. Um, right. So, but anyway, Father. Um, I, I, actually, let me hand it over to Joe. This is, Father, we say on the show all the time, we'll set the stage for you. Joe and I have our guests on. Joe and I, we, we know a fair amount. We're, we're, we, we're educated Catholics, okay? But we have a lot to learn, Joe and I. And, and so when we say that we want, our, we want to clarify things on a particular topic for our audience, it's for Joe and I also, uh, because we learn from our guests. With that, I'm going to hand it over to Joe Resinello. Father, we've had discussions not focused primarily on the spirit of Vatican II, but we've had guests, uh, Dr. Ralph Martin, we've had uh, Father Gerald Murray, uh, both of which wrote books uh, about the church and the spirit of Vatican II. Also, uh, Father uh, Bishop Athanasius Snyder, um, who's addressed this as well. Um, and I think you're also in their league, I'll be honest with you, um, with your background. Um, What's meant by the spirit of Vatican II? You hear this. I'm of, I'll just speak for myself. Uh, uh, like, I, what the document says is what the document is. You know, I, I look at the world that way. Like, the document speaks, should speak for itself. I think we as a church, and this is my own commentary, and please correct me if I'm wrong, um, it's not for people to interpret things in a way that goes left or right, the document is, is what the document is. And I think we get in trouble as a church when we start interpreting things. And we've, we've done so, I think, in ways that I think have been problematic. And, and what Ralph Martin said, because I asked him this point blank, I said, what if someone's sincere in their approach to the spirit of Vatican II? And I'm going to give some people the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they are. He's like, Joe, it doesn't work. It's not bearing fruit. And he's right, in my view. It hasn't bore fruit. What are your thoughts? What's it, you know, let's talk about definition. And am I off on that statement? Well, no, but 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 what I would like to do is um to begin this with uh with 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 an affirmation of who I am uh as a Catholic, okay. I believe in the tradition of the Catholic Church as the authentic basis of faith and worship. And, and this, this is organic. That is, that, that it has its, uh, its own organic growth and, and, and development. And that this, Development is is very often hidden all through the centuries, um, and it is scripture and the teaching of the church that are the two bases and the two components of what we mean by tradition, and uh, and in Latin means that which is handed over or that which is handed down okay so 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 any development there are developments of course in the history of the church but 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 
any development can never contradict what has uh, gone before. And, and it has to be shown that in the unfolding of the tradition, in the development of dogma, okay, that it is continuous all the way back to Jesus, Peter, and 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 uh, okay. So 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 um, I became a Catholic. <laughs> uh, I know that with my name and everything, of course, that you know that people um, always assume that you know that I've always been a Catholic, but but uh, I wasn't. In fact, uh, I grew up in a very anti-Catholic family. Um, where the break happened, uh, I could never find out because that was a subject, <laughs> a, you know, a subject in the family that could not be talked about. Bango. So, 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 um, I became a Catholic. Because of truth, I recognized uh, I recognized that that the truth of Jesus Christ, um, as it develops in dogma and 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 in the tradition of the church, we're talking about, is clearly seen in the Catholic Church. Okay, so 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 uh, although although I have uh, I have real problems with uh, with you know with the state of the Catholic Church now and and especially in Rome uh, I love the Catholic Church and I would die for the Catholic Church. And uh, so I start off there. What is the spirit of Vatican II? The spirit of the Vatican II has nothing to do with the tradition of the church. Nothing. The spirit of Vatican II was something invented. It uh, was invented of. Uh, hmm, right after the council by those who were not happy that so many uh, so many other documents of Vatican II which was a pastoral council because the only one in the history of the church uh, because in the past with you know all these councils the purpose of calling a council is is because there is an ambiguity or a threat uh, um, to to the clear teaching of the church, right? So you have to call a council and um, and you talk about these things and and other council are documents which are considered as an authentic. Um, development. When you call a pastoral council, um, you're in uncharted territory. 
uncharted territory. Um, and 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 Saint Pope John the twenty third's purpose purpose was to open up the church to the world. Um, and and um, <laughs> that's a whole other topic. But but you know I find that a bit romantic. Because, because especially in the Gospel of John, that, that word in John world means all the opposition, all the opposition from outside to the person and the teaching of Jesus Christ. Okay? And it's further problematic in that the council was held when in the world, in the world of um, the West, right? The world of the West, there's a huge social upheaval, huge. I remember those days, you know, I remember those days. So, so, so opening up the church and, or I think it was, um, John the 23rd, who said that we have to open up the windows of the church, you know, to the world and uh, uh, the world then. Well, mm, when you do that, and there's a hurricane blowing outside the windows, it may not be a very good idea at that particular time to open up the windows. Okay? So, the documents of Vatican II are not clear. I think that everyone, uh, everyone would agree with this. And, and what those documents are often is a compromise between the more traditional element for the church and 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 those who were convinced that um, that the church has to change in very real ways in order to bring the understanding of Jesus Christ and the teaching of the church to the world. What I, what I don't understand, Father Chipola, who's joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Uh, okay, I, that's the that's the biggest thing that Joe and I hear. That's what I've heard is that is that much of the language in the documents uh, of the council is quite quite frankly confusing. And hmm. I think I think what 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 upsets I'll speak for myself. What upsets me is that let me let me give you a comparison. Um, ever since 1973, when abortion was legalized in the United States, okay, the those who would pr promote abortion have suggested from that very moment that it's a settled issue. But it has never been a settled issue. From the beginning, there was a march for life, there was a fight against it and everything else. And the reason why I bring it up is I feel the same way, I think the same way about Vatican II. This has been going on since the council, since the ending of the council. This is not something that traditionalists are saying, oh, we got to do something about this. You have one that says, oh, no, that's all settled. That, that's all done. Uh, we don't discuss that anymore. 
Well, quite frankly, we've been discussing this. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Father Chipola. Mm. We've been discussing this because this has been a controversy ever since the council ended in the 1960s. Am I am I wrong about that? Yeah, well, you see, what you're bringing up is, you know, is a very large topic, a very difficult um, uh, topic. And, 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 um, and this resonates, especially in this country, because this country was founded on the principles of individualism. And that's the opposite of Catholicism, the direct opposite of Catholicism. The Catholic understanding of who I am, I am part of the we. Uh, and the we is the Catholic Church. Uh, my, my identity, although as an individual, you know, as an individual, my, the deepest part of my identity as an individual is in the family of the Catholic Church. The whole American ideal is in the little house on the prairie. Now, individualism, we have our own home, uh, you know, um, uh, and, and in the end, no one is going to tell us what to do. Okay. Uh, so, so Catholicism here is very different from in Europe. Very different um, because the history of Europe, you know, uh, uh, the history of Europe, and 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 I still feel that the Catholic Church, in some ways, is a foreign element in this country. Now, now the first Archbishop uh, um, wrote to the Pope, because at that time, to tell him, right, to tell him that you know. Things are done differently here, uh, and you have to understand that this is not this is not Europe, and it's a total different type of a mindset. In the history of the immigration, say right here, right, uh, history of immigration. What happened is um, Catholics came and. They formed their, their own enclaves, you know, in cities or Catholic neighborhoods. I I grew up in in uh, Providence, Rhode Island, in an Italian ghetto. No one spoke English, it seemed to me, you know, you know, and and and, and uh, you know, so that's how I grew up. And it wasn't until I went to high school, um, a special high school. You know, special high school where, where, where I saw people who didn't look like me, <laughs> and 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 I remember that uh, we all used to bring uh, our lunches. You know, I love <laughs> lunches, and, and I remember. Everyone there, you know, the table and and our lunches are 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 in a brown paper bag. Only my brown paper bag had grease at the bottom. <laughs> Everyone else's was like immaculate. I said to myself, "What's this?" 
And so they all open up their bags and they have a tuna fish sandwich or peanut butter and jelly. So I open up my bag and there's this big end of Italian bread. And so this kid said to me, what's that? <laughs> I said, peppers and eggs. Oh, I love eggs. it. I, love I had it. it last night. I have peppers and eggs and potatoes every Wednesday night. That's that is too funny. The idea of the greasy, the greasy brown paper bag. I you just brought me back to Seton Hall prep <laughs> 40 yeah. years ago. One day it was peppers and eggs, and another day it was prusatine and marinated eggplant. You yeah, go yes. think about that. Right. All of the you know, but it oozed out, you know. Yeah, it, of course. Yeah. Father, so, let's um go ahead, go ahead, Father. You no, were making, no, I don't want to say so 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 Catholicism um was um, ghettoized, you know, I and mean, there's no note about that. You know, built you know, built churches that looked like the churches they had left left, of course, in Europe and uh, in this and other. Even though all the masses, of course, were Latin, uh, uh, which which was a wonderful thing and ought to be again, but but but. Uh, 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 Latin, there were ethnic churches. Yeah. There's the Irish church on this corner and the Italian church on this corner, and that was it. If you were Irish, going to that church, the Italian went to this church. Um, when in the 50s, those barriers began to break down, and, and Catholics were allowed allowed mm, into the country club said you know a lot of the country clubs and uh, things like this Catholics began to feel much more at home as Americans okay and 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 that's a good thing but 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 what happened especially after the council was, was almost a wholesale forgetting of the past. And when you forget your past, and this is and this is true for individuals, but it's true for the church in a, a radical way. When you forget your past, then 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 your future is unknown, you know, uh, uh, no, no. getting back. Because those documents are so, are so ambiguous uh, in, in, in all of them, the document of course, on the liturgy and on the music and the mass, yes, we have to have Latin in the mass, but on the other hand, there could be exceptions that, and on and on and on you go. Okay, so, 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 so they, so those who favored a, a rather radical change in the church and in the sense of a radical opening up to the world, took the ball and ran and they invented the spirit of Vatican II. No ecumenical council 
has ever had a spirit. There is no spirit of the Council of Nicaea or of Lateran II or, or nobody talked like that. This, this element of the church was and, and still is convinced because they are still in charge of the church because they're all my age, you know, all of my age, and 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 it seems to me that they deliberately misunderstand what tradition means, passing on what you have been given, open to the future, in the sense that, um, is it that that. You know that you know God is the God of the future, you know, and 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 so we have that faith. Uh, we have that faith, and it's no accident that you know that that right after the council, that that when when Paul the was about to uh, issue his decision on. Um, uh, contraception that the day before a bunch of Catholic intellectual leaders stood uh, uh, stood I think it was on the steps of this of the uh, Supreme Court whatever it was and even before it was published said that they disagreed with this was a very bad idea. Oh, okay, so 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 they are the spirit. They are the spirit of Vatican II, and it's that same um, spirit that took what what the documents um, on the liturgy say. That's a liturgy. They they envision a so they modest bringing the liturgy up to date. Instead, what we got was a radical, radical disembowelment of the mass. And that's what we got. Okay, now, you see, the, the liturgical movement uh, beginning, beginning in the middle of the 19th century, began as a movement to um, rediscover the beauty and the meaning of the mass, and 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 um, uh, by the time that you get to the 1920s and 1930s. They had people in charge had given up on the huge task of re-educating Catholics in what the mass is. Okay. And that's what should have happened after Vatican II, but it didn't. What we got is is, is a form of the mass. 
that smells of the Brady Bunch. That's one. That's one way to put it, Father uh, Chipola. You know, that's the Brady Bunch, and has no relevance to kids now. Father, we have to leave it there for just a second because we have to take a break here at the yeah. front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Rasinello, very pleased to be joined by Father Richard Chipola. And we're talking about the spirit of Vatican II, a conversation that we could have for hours. We're going to cover what we can um, in the limited time that we have, but this is an important conversation. Um, and, and Joe and I feel the need uh, you know, to talk about it, and that's why we're very grateful that Father has decided to come on the show. So stick around. You're at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial. Um, we have another great segment with Father Richard Cipolla. We'll be right back. Where there's Catholic radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith, families are strengthened, parishes and communities flourish. So let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and his church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello. We're way in the breach with Father Richard Gennato Cipolla, and we're discussing the spirit of Vatican II. We're going to jump right in. Joe Racinello. Father, for a while, um, I taught RCIA, and I would teach it right from the catechism, the, the catechism that was published in 1992. Right. Um, I taught it for four years, and I was asked to leave because I taught it from the document, from mm. the document. And right. I can remember um, some of the sticking points, particularly receiving the Eucharist in a state of grace. Uh, the two women who ran the program were opposed to the, the way that I taught it, which was from the document. I'm not, I'm not going to judge their yeah. beliefs. No. I'm going to say, but the way that I taught it was from the document, which is the book. Um, I bring this up because in the discussion, um, the one woman who ran the program said, I believe in primacy of conscience. Mm. Um, I think for those who don't know what that is, obviously your conscience almost usurps, and correct me if I'm wrong, Father, uh, say a teaching because it, it feels right for you. And I was under the impression that the church forms your conscience. That's the idea. I'm a father. I have to form my children's conscience. Let's talk about that because I think this is a good starting point because to this day, I think people believe in this primacy of conscience and many of the consciences, uh, I would say they're not formed. They're not formed by natural law. They're not formed by tradition. They're not formed by dogma. They're formed by the Brady Bunch, to use your example. Uh, and frankly, I think this is where we've gone wrong. So please discuss that with us as well as with our listeners. Okay. The primacy of conscience is, is, is part of Catholic teaching of, of um, dogma. That that the Catholic is under is well no no the Catholic is everyone has an obligation to to follow one's conscience and and that's the teaching of the Church okay and one has an obligation to follow one's conscience one's conscience, even if my decision is an error. That, that, that is a teaching of the church. 
and it's and it's very clear. Now, what people have forgotten is that everyone is born with a conscience. And, and the conscience is, in a real sense, the voice of God. Okay? Now, um, it has always been understood that the person is, you know, under, under moral obligation, under God, to make sure that his conscience all through his life, in her life, is informed, and for a Catholic, by the teaching of the church. Okay? Now, uh, um, so, if, if, one finds oneself in in a situation uh, where I say that what my conscience is is telling me is is contrary to what what I know the teaching of the church is, but I must follow my conscience and go against the uh, uh, teaching of the church. Okay? Now, I want to read to you, just so fast here, Cardinal uh, John Henry Miller, of course, is a hero of, uh, a hero of mine. And, and, uh, uh, and this is what he wrote in, I don't know, about 1870 or something like this. And, and, and this whole thing, this whole thing is, is on what was happening at the end of the 19th century in Europe to the understanding of, of, of conscience. Uh, oh, I have to say this too. Conscience was given to us by God because of our inherent freedom. We are born free. Okay? We, we are born free like Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had a choice and they chose wrongly. And they blocked out their conscience. Okay, but they, um, just be patient, okay? Conscience has rights because it has duties. But in this age, with a large portion of the public, it is the very right and freedom of, of conscience to dispense with conscience, to ignore a lawgiver and judge the capital L, capital J, to be independent of unseen obligations. It becomes a license to take up any or no religion, to take up this or that and, and let it go again, to go to church 
or not to go to church, to boast of being above all religions and 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 to be an impartial critic of 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 each of them. Conscience is a stern monitor, but in this century, it has been superseded by a counterfeit which the 18th centuries prior to it never heard of and could not have mistaken for it if they had. What people now understand and as conscience is the right of self-will. So that's a very different understanding of, of you know, of conscience than when that when a Catholic couple he, uh, decide that they are going to use uh, contraceptives, say, okay? And the reasoning is, you know, I heard this all over and over again. The reason is um, we have two children and the great children and we want to be sure that we can give them all, all that they deserve, you know, the college education, and to help them out with this, help them out of that. Therefore, we had decided to, you know, to, uh, uh, you know, use uh, contraception. And 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 uh, um, and this is not following conscience um, that is informed and is and is taught by by Jesus's words and by the ongoing teaching the ongoing teaching of the Catholic Church and so that's the situation that we find we find ourselves in and there have been many priests over the past uh, 40 years, uh, you know, uh, 50 years, whatever it is, who have told these couples, I understand and, and God also understands. So, so, so that's what we are. Let me just interject with that. What I would say, because it's funny you say that, I have five children under eight, and I recently went to a confession um, in New York City, I won't say where, and uh, I was confessing, I'll just be very forthright, um, my lack of patience uh, sometimes um, with my kids, the house gets crazy, and I was told in this confession, um, you know, I didn't want to get into an argument with the priest, but he said to me, you know, the church understands just to a point, like honest to God, I'm telling this is as recently as 30 days ago. Uh, you know, we have a different interpretation. Now, I didn't, you know, I just listened, you know, um, but I would say I disagree because it's for me as a creation to subject my will to the creator and the church and the creator are one. You can't se you can't sever the head from the body, and the church is part of the head, which is Christ. And I must subject my will to His. So I would disagree with that priest, but that's going on to this day. 
Oh, it was going on for you know for uh, uh, a, a long time. It's going on for a long time. When have you heard in your parish a challenging sermon on conscience? I'll give you. I'll answer that question. And right. that was one of the most disappointing things. When I got married back in 2013, um, my wife and I were living in Brooklyn because uh, she was in Brooklyn at the time. Uh, but I'm a Jersey boy. So we moved back to Jersey in 2016. Okay. And we were looking for a parish. Quite frankly, we were parish shopping. All right. Um, and we ended up at a parish in Bergen County. And I remember the reason why we stayed at that parish is because the priest, the pastor of the parish, Father Jim, okay, gave those challenging homilies, both on what you just mentioned, Father, and also individual issues, whether it be abortion, whether it be uh, homosexuality, whether it be contraception or the need to go to confession. You know what happened to him, Father? The, the, the lay leadership in the church, they had, they had the archdiocese on speed dial, and they would complain about Father being uh, challenging the, 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 the congregation in his homily, doing exactly precisely what you're describing priests ought to do. He was, you know, and, and basically he would get the call from the archdiocese to say, hey, you got you to gotta tone it down a little bit. Tone down what? It's like Joe said about RCIA. I'm teaching, I'm teaching Catholic teaching here. I'm, 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 I'm imparting the, the faith from the book. I know. No, I know exactly what you mean. I know that you mean... Uh, uh, um, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, stunning, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, I, no, there's so much about this, you know, uh, uh, there's more to it. Um, uh, there's, there's a lot wrong in the priesthood. <laughs> now, now, I can already hear people who are going to. Tune into this, uh, you know, this podcast. Like, who do you think he is? That you know, there's a lot wrong with priesthood. Mm. Just blame it on oh. us, Father. That's okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, 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 no. But there is, you know, before the council, uh, before the council, you know, I remember hearing kids were Catholic, you know, uh, saying, "We always go to to uh, to." Uh, Father X's mass because he can get it done in 17 minutes. <laughs> oh, oh, this is very, very common. It's very common. So, and so I disagree totally that before the council, it was a golden age of the liturgy. It wasn't. It was it was often sloppily done, terrible music, et cetera, et cetera. I've always said. God gave us back the traditional mass in mercy in order that it be celebrated with beauty and dignity. And that's why all the young priests love that mass. Because, because they're overwhelmed by beauty and I preach on this, and, and you know, uh, people say, oh, Father Spoke is going to go on and on about this, but beauty will save the world. Three names of God truth, goodness, and beauty. 
how often do you ex you experience beauty on a Sunday at the mass? Unfortunately, the answer to that question is it depends on the parish, and it ought not be that way. Um, I go to certain parishes, whether they are Novus Ordo or, or traditional mm -hmm. Latin mass. Yeah, right. uh, I've attended both. Um, and I will say on the Novus Ordo side, um, it, again, I say this with sadness. It depends on the parish. It depends on the pastor. Okay. There's a Novus Ordo. I'm in Arizona now. I like, got out of Dodge about seven months ago, left New Jersey with my family. And there's a Novus Ordo parish down here infused with latin hymns and reverence and and kneelers in the front joe goes to a parish in other words um when i was living there i went to that parish also on several occasions that had the kneelers in the front so those who want to receive on the tongue and kneel down can do so okay i think you know like just... so it depends on the parish father um only because we want to I, I we want to get to like maybe one maybe two more topics but something that joe and i feel important to talk about is one of the destructive oh what do you want to call it i mean there's a lot of revolutions in history but in the modern world you could go to the french revolution the communist revolution mm -hmm. the sexual revolution is no less destructive or deadly okay mm -hmm. and obviously the sexual revolution of the 1960s is occurring at the same time as as uh as the the council that we're talking about vatican ii with father richard Chapola here at the front line with joe and joe father how did the sexual revolution or how did the sexual revolution impact this, let's call it a hijacking. Robert George was on our show, Professor Robert George, he called yeah. it the hijacking of Vatican II by those who would promote the spirit of Vatican II, which is what we yes. are talking about. Right. How did the sexual revolution and this hijacking work together, or did they? Well, you know, uh, there's a part of the spirit of Vatican II that wants to conform to the world. No, so 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 in the 1960s, of course, in the sexual revolution, uh, uh, um, there were those, and and there still are those those in the church and 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 now especially on the uh topic of, of uh, uh homosexuality um, and, uh, um you have parishes in the city you know in new york city that are <laughs> in the red openly gay you know and i say to myself um, but, but I think if I were the cardinal, <laughs> or the cardinal, I call in the pastor and say, uh, um, uh, this is not according to the church's understanding of, of human sexuality. God made the male and female. Homosexuality has always been a part of humanity okay and this has been true also in the church in the monastic orders say now the monastic orders uh in 
uh, and in the priesthood, but never in the history of the church um, has there ever been, as there is now, a sort of undercover approbation of, of homosexuality. Just recently, the, uh, the bishops in Belgium published a service for a service of committal for two men or two women. Okay. Now, I'm the Pope. I would inform these people that that you know that 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 this that this condition has to be an object of our our pastoral focus and there can never be any hatred any making fun any of those things any of those things but but our but our understanding of human sexuality comes out of Jesus's words male and female he created them and that's it. But why doesn't the Pope call those bishops up and say, there can be no service like this in the Catholic Church? That's the question. Why? Because of the spirit of Vatican II. See, I agree. I agree with you. And I attribute it to that. And this is my thoughts on it. And again, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe many of these people believe just get them in the door on their terms and God will take care of the rest. You see, I disagree with that because I believe you're affirming somebody. That doesn't mean you club them over the head. That doesn't mean you beat them to death with the truth or with the dogma. What it does mean is you love them, you tell them the truth, you befriend them, you walk with them, but at the same time, you don't capitulate to something that isn't who you are, which is the truth. Okay. And that's what I believe many people do with this. Right. Bring them in on my term, on their terms. And it's not just homosexuality. It's many things. People who are divorced and remarried, who received the mm -hmm. Eucharist, who don't have an annulment. Catholic couples who got contracept. We can go on and on and on. Right. And, and frankly, that doesn't work. And it doesn't bear fruit. In my view, if I'm wrong, Father, forgive me. And I'm not no. judging anyone, but I have eyes. <laughs> it doesn't bear fruit, literally. <laughs> you know, two men cannot have a baby. And two women can have a baby. Come on, so, Father, you're, on, you're not on social media. You don't know that that's changed now. Did anybody tell you? <laughs> you know, you know uh, men, men oh, can get okay. pregnant. Didn't okay. anybody tell you? All right, I have to ask you another question about... <laughs> Now about sermons. When is the last time that you heard a cogent sermon on how the Catholic understands human sexuality? Um, I I I will say I have been blessed that I've I've heard several. Okay, I'm not going to say it's every weekend. Uh, no, I mentioned no, no, I mentioned. No, 
no, no, I mentioned it, like when I was in Jersey, the one pastor um, who, when his 12 years up was up, they shipped him out. Uh, thanks to the lay people in the, in the, in that parish. Uh, but a pastor here, my, my wife and I were very actually surprised. He got up there to give a homily. Um, and he says, I'm going to talk about four things. I'm going to talk about abortion, homosexuality, contraception, and transgender, uh, uh, in vitro fertilization. Now you want to, you want to not get invited to the cocktail party, start talking about in vitro fertilization. So to answer your question, mm -hmm. I heard a very good homily where the priest covered in about 25 minutes, all four of those controversial topics. Joe Rosanello. Well, I think what it comes down to is this. And again, many of those people, and this is what I posed to Ralph Martin, they could be sincere in that. Get them in and God will take care of the rest. Well, I will say we have 60 years uh, of history that shows that that hasn't taken place. The church hasn't bore fruit in that approach. That's my opinion. Um, and until I see otherwise, I'll change it. Uh, what I will say is this, though. God came to change the world. The world isn't here to change the church. We're here to change the world. And in to do that, we must be different. And we must show Christ's love and grace. And frankly, to be honest with you, we're just like everybody else. Catholics, too many of us are just like everybody else. We can't be like everybody else. Jesus wasn't like everybody else. And I think it's in the difference, walking in the other direction. People are afraid to do it, to, to, to comment on Joe's point. We want to be invited to the barbecue, Father. We don't want to be the odd man out. We don't want to ruffle feathers. Well, that's what Jesus did. He ruffled feathers. They hung them on a, on a tree. Yeah, well, you know, I think that the good news is <laughs> that, that, that the spirit of Vatican II is going to die with my generation. It's going to die. Death takes care of a lot of things, my friends. Father, because we have a couple minutes left, I want to just expand on that very point, okay? And ask, because uh, I feel like you're you're uh, begging one question. Does that mean there will be a Vatican III? In your view, or will there be a need for a Vatican III once the spirit of Vatican II dies, where sane people come down, reasonable people come down, and talk very frankly no. and honestly about all the issues that were that no, have... no 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 there's no need for Vatican III. councils were called to clarify doctrinal matters they weren't called to open up the windows of the church and they certainly weren't ever called to 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 destroy the liturgy of the church Okay, so 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 uh, Vatican II will be in the future, I hope, as a curiosity. A curiosity. Wow, that could have only happened in the nineteen sixties. Uh, what happened in the nineteen sixties? And and and. And again, the whole gang in Rome are all up, are not only a product of it, but they have a vested interest in maintaining this. Okay, so um, there are cardinals who were 
um, appointed who 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 are in the spirit of the spirit of Vatican II, but they didn't make it up like like the guys who are in power now, and that's the basis of my optimism that the young people I know and the young priests I know are in love with the Catholic Church and with the liturgy, and so. They know nothing about what I went through in the Catholic Church. They know nothing. And that's, what, that's to their advantage. You know, that's their advantage because they come to the traditional mass and they're like, what is this? What is this? Because they never experienced awe and majesty and beauty in church. So, Father, uh, Father Cipolla, we have to leave it there. Yeah. It's radio and we do have a time limit. Thank you so much for this conversation. Uh, Joe and I, you know, we, we really were interested in, in your views on this. So we're very grateful for that you came on the show and you're welcome back on this show any anytime you like to discuss any topic. And I'll make you peppers and eggs, Father, if you come oh, on. Okay, okay. <laughs> A deal. Okay. Father Richard Gennaro Cipolla, thank you for joining us here at the Frontline with Joe and Joe. Thank you all out there for joining us at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial. Spreading the truth of the Catholic faith in the New York City metropolitan area. Download the app, share it with your friends. Um, if you like what we're doing here at Veritas, and if you uh, like Joe and I in particular, you could also follow us on social media, primarily at the Frontline TV on YouTube, the Frontline TV on YouTube, and other places. Uh, help us out however you can. Like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. And remember, until the next time, that our conversation is your conversation, and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>